Welcome to Immigration Nerds. This podcast is for everyone seeking the details, context, and facts behind the banner headlines on immigration. It's the podcast that gives you the latest on immigration policy and politics and the real world impacts on the people and businesses that make our world turn. If you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Brought to you by the nerds at Erickson Immigration Group, guiding clients and their employees through the complex immigration system for over 20 years. Hello, immigration nerds. I'm Lauren Clark, senior attorney at Erickson Immigration Group. I am a fellow nerd and immigrant and host of this amazing podcast. On every episode, we're joined by the smartest nerds in the know as we cover trends in business, culture, technology, and politics at the intersection of global immigration. Today, we're spinning the globe and dialing in to some big doings down under. In Australia, there is a new pathway for highly skilled workers who are nominated by their employer to live and work in Australia permanently. Coming up in a few minutes, the Immigration Nerd Update on Australia's new subclass 186 Employer Nomination Visa Scheme. But first, we have other great information to share. We do indeed, Lauren. Hey, Adam. That's your Immigration Nerds podcast producer. Adam Belma there. Where do we start? Well, it's late May 2023, Lauren, and I want to recognize that May is also Jewish American Heritage Month. And the nerds in our audience are probably interested to know that Jewish American Heritage Month was actually established by Congress and President George W. Bush in 2006. So it hasn't been around all that long. Important, though. And one of the things that really nerded me out this month, Lauren, I have a friend, you'd be surprised to know, is also a nerd, and he works over there at C-SPAN, the guys in America who are constantly taking note of everything that gets said on the House floor and in all of the hearings. Well, my buddy, nerd, Howard Mortman, who is the communications director at C-SPAN, he put together this unbelievable compilation of lawmakers using a particular Yiddish word. It's chutzpah. Adam, for all the nerds listening, what does chutzpah mean? Well, chutzpah is a Yiddish word meaning impudence or gall. Bravery that borders on rudeness, Lauren, is chutzpah, which, by the way, rhymes with chutzpah. If you're trying to figure out how to say that properly at home. So if you have chutzpah, you say what you think without worrying about hurting someone's feelings, looking silly, or getting in trouble. And this link that we've shared in the show notes below has a compilation of so many of America's highest ranking senators and congressmen using this word. Take a quick listen. Well, there are a lot of definitions for chutzpah. There's a word for what we're witnessing today, and that word is chutzpah. 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 There's a Yiddish word for that, chutzpah. That's the height of chutzpah, if you will. That sounds amazing. I will be checking out that link. Yeah, chutzpah can be dangerous, Lauren, especially when it's used the wrong way. So it's important that we share with everyone a little bit of Jewish heritage on the fun side as we talk about May. But there's more to talk about. Remember in our last episode, we were noting the end of the COVID emergency in Title 42. Definitely. And I feel like it's actually been a little quiet on the border in terms of immigration news coming out. I think you're right. 
I spent many years as a news professional here in the United States, and I have been looking at all of the sources, and we know that it's a lot of tension that exists on the border. We also know that the president, the administration, sent 1,500 uniformed military troops down to support what's going on there. But it also appears that many of the people who are seeking access to the country have gotten word about what the impact of the end of Title 42 means and the new process. And so while we can't say it's all clear, it does look like a lot of the communication and some of the chaos that was expected has not materialized. Agreed. Thanks for all of that, Adam. Now it's time to call in our news nerd-in-chief, Rob Taylor. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Rob. That's Ericsson Immigration Group partner, Rob Taylor, everyone. Rob, what tops the immigration news list today? So recently, it's in the news, the debt ceiling has been a a major talking point. Uh, It was announced that President Biden and Speaker McCarthy reached a compromise. So this will allow for the debt ceiling to be increased over the next two years, but it also focuses on reducing spend. It's difficult to say exactly how this will impact immigration. Uh, USCIS, as you know, is a self-funded agency. So the impact there may not be directly felt, uh, but it could be felt through different aspects of DHS. And we'll have to see how the reduced spend by the government affects immigration. What else do you have for us? Yeah, in other congressional news, uh, U.S. Representatives Escobar and Salazar introduced a bipartisan bill called the Dignity Act. Uh, So it's an interesting bill. Uh, It provides individuals who are undocumented a 12-year path to citizenship. Uh, It also provides an expanded work visa category and creates what they call humanitarian campuses. So this would allow for asylum claims to be processed at the border in 60 days. That's a huge immigration impact. Absolutely. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. In particular, the House Republicans have said that they won't consider any immigration bill until the border is secure. It is important to note that the Dignity Act actually does include border security provisions, uh, but I don't know if that'll still be enough for the House Republicans. And so we'll have to see how that how that moves forward there. Additionally, there are some interesting concepts that were included in this bill that have to do with uh, granting temporary residents, uh, also including requiring applicants to pay a fine, and then also actually creating a fund to help train American workers. So there are a lot of great aspects of this, but as we head into an election year, it's pretty hard to think that a major immigration reform bill will likely pass, but we'll keep an eye on it and and keep folks up to date. And talking about changes to visas, there's been an announcement regarding parole. Yeah, so so folks may be aware of what they call the HCNV parole program. Uh, So this was rolled out by the Biden administration in January, and specifically it allows the government to parole into the U.S. up to 30,000 Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans per month. And in return, the Mexican government agreed that they would accept for removal that same number of people. In recent months, there have been more than 30,000 applicants, and so the government's announced that they're now going to institute a lottery program to see who will actually be selected for parole. Thank you for those immigration news updates. What about EIG news? Sure. On the on the EIG side, I understand that you will be soon presenting live on LinkedIn. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, Rob. We have a Ericsson Immigration Nerd Special, which is on LinkedIn Live. For anyone who wasn't able to attend or who wants to know more, we did a special alert regarding the I-9 verification changes. So a lot of great information, updates, and details available with the LinkedIn Live. Excellent. Yeah, that, uh, that'll be a very exciting topic as uh, a lot of companies are, are working through this new I-9 process and trying to understand what the implications are. So I know that uh, you'll provide a lot of great information and content to our listeners. 
Um, and then lastly, I wanted to just mention, this isn't specifically EIG, but the friend of EIG, David Beer, who recently joined us from the Cato Institute, he's published an article entitled Immigrants and Their Kids Were 70% of the U.S. Labor Force Growth Since 1995. It's a really short article, but it has lots of excellent facts and just really lays out the importance of immigrants in the U.S. over the last 30 years. So anybody who's interested in reading, I'd encourage you to check it out on the Cato Institute website. That was our news nerd, Rob Taylor. Thank Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Lauren. And now to walk us through the Australian government's announcement regarding expanded pathways to permanent residency through subclass 186 visa scheme, one of my easily becoming favourite Australian, Martin Russell. Martin, welcome back to the Immigration Nerds podcast. Thanks so much, Lauren. And it's nice to be one of your favourite Australians. I I hope it's a lot of competition, but that makes me feel very good. But look, to, to fully understand the reasons behind the changes that have been announced, I think we need to take a moment to explore the historical backdrop and just really find out how we've got to where we are. So way back when, in April 2017, the subclass 457 visa program, which was a temporary skilled work visa that allowed employers to sponsor foreign workers that was abolished, and the government replaced it with the Temporary Skilled Shortage Visa Program, also known as TSS. And this had stricter requirements and introduced additional occupations to what's called the Skilled Occupations List. And the driving force behind these changes stems from the government's commitment to prioritise Australian workers and to guarantee that overseas workers were only sought after when there was a genuine scarcity of suitable local candidates. These alterations were implemented to strengthen the visa system's credibility and obviously in turn safeguard the local Australian labour market. So it seems that the Temporary Skills Shortage or TSS visa program was a significant change for skilled migrants as well as their Australian employers. What were the main changes in the occupational list you just mentioned and how did that impact visa eligibility? So the occupation lists known as the medium and long-term strategic skills list and the short-term skilled occupations list were reviewed and revised. Some occupations were removed totally or moved between the two lists, which impacted the eligibility of certain positions for permanent sponsorship. The changes ensured that the occupations in demand clearly aligned with the current needs of the Australian labour market. Would it be fair to say then that the Temporary Skill Shortage Visa Program imposed stricter requirements with the ultimate goal of protecting the Australian labour market? Absolutely, Lauren. The TSS program also introduced and made stricter requirements for labour market testing or LMT, and that was there to ensure that employers actively attempted to hire Australian workers before sponsoring foreign workers for those skilled positions. And unless the position was exempt, employees were required to advertise the job vacancy and demonstrate their efforts to recruit Australian candidates. The LMT aimed to protect the Australian labour market and ensure that foreign workers were genuinely needed for those specific roles. So looking at the TSS visa program in light of the recent announcement, did the introduction of that visa program also affect company-sponsored permanent residency? It, it did. Uh, so, so not only did the TSS visa program replace the 457 visa program and have those strict requirements that we've alluded to, it also did affect company-sponsored permanent residents by implementing a two-tier system 
with different visa streams and pathways to company-sponsored permanent residents based on the duration of sponsorship available and other eligibility criteria. Martin, you mentioned there the implementation of a two-tier system and the pathways to permanent residency. Could you provide just a little bit more detail on those elements? Yeah, and this is where it starts to get a little bit complex, unfortunately, Lauren. But the the TSS visa program introduced a two-tier system, and as I mentioned, it consisted of that short-term stream and the medium-term stream. The short-term stream allowed employers to sponsor foreign national workers twice for up to two years each, with no pathway to company-sponsored permanent residence. However, the medium-term stream allowed sponsorship for up to four years, and after three years of that four years, visa holders became eligible to apply for permanent residency through the company-sponsored stream, which is known as the Employer Nomination Scheme. In theory, these changes were part of the Australian government's broader immigration reforms aimed at safeguarding the interest of Australian workers and addressing concerns about the misuse and abuse of the temporary skilled visa program. However, in reality, with the change to having multiple occupational streams, the result was more confusion and the reluctance of skilled workers to come to Australia with limited and sometimes no options to remain here on a permanent basis. And this quite obviously, was further impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, where Australia's borders were closed for in excess of 12 months. So obviously, you you know, there's some hard lessons there. Did Australia make any pivots in light of COVID-19 and this reluctance of skilled workers to come to Australia? They didn't. It was something that just had to be done. So to counter all of these issues, effective July last year, so July 2022, the government permitted those short-term occupation stream TSS visa holders who previously didn't have a pathway to company-sponsored permanent residence to apply, but there were a few caveats and a few additional requirements that needed to be met, namely that the individual needed to hold a TSS or a, a historical 457 visa and be employed as a primary sponsored visa holder by their nominating employer for a period of three years out of the previous four. And critically, the applicant needed to have been in Australia for at least 12 months between 1st of February 2000 and 14th of December 2021, which was known as the COVID pandemic period. And to facilitate this and to enable people to to get to the stage where they could become eligible for PR, permanent residence, the government temporarily relaxed the limitation of that two sets of two-year TSS visas. It seems then that the Australian government post-COVID and the lessons learned from that time, along with, I guess, the limitations of the temporary skilled shortage visa program, brings us to September 22, which is an important date for kind of the historical background we're providing here. And that was the Jobs and Skills Summit. Can you tell us what emerged from that summit in regards to skilled migration? The Australian federal government, in in conjunction with unions, employers, state governments, and other key stakeholders, held a jobs and skills summit, which was created to address shared economic challenges and opportunities facing the Australian labour market and economy in general. One of the key focuses of this summit was immigration, and the key takeouts were that there would be an increase to the permanent migration program planning level, to 195,000 in the year 2022-23 to help ease those widespread critical shortages. 
of which 142,000 were allocated to skilled workers. So that's a huge focus on that skilled worker population. Uh, you know, 142,000 out of a total of 195 is a significant quantity. There was also a commitment to provide in excess of $36 million in additional funding to accelerate visa processing and resolve the visa backlog, which had ballooned as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent reopening of the international borders. So this summit is providing, you know, a huge increase in numbers, a huge increase in budgets towards accelerating visa processing. Is what we see now with the recent announcement by the Australian government, basically these key takeaways from the summit coming to fruition? That's absolutely correct, Lauren. The most recent key announcement is that the government has reconfirmed those expanded pathways to permanent residence through the 186 visa program, the employer nomination scheme. And they've said that these changes will come into effect by the end of this year, so by the end of 2023. Martin, what can you tell us about the subclass 186 at this time? All of these proposed changes are are falling under the temporary residence transition stream of that 186 visa. So what the government has announced is that the transition stream of the 186 visa after the end of this year will be available to all TSS visa holders, regardless of their occupation. So that's a massive shift in, in terms of, you know, those two occupational lists disappearing effectively. The eligibility for the temporary residence transition stream will be reduced from three years to two years of sponsorship with the nominating employer. And applicants will need to continue to work and be nominated in the occupation that they were previously nominated for their TSS visa. So, you know, you're continuing to do the same type of work that you've been previously sponsored for. And you obviously need to still meet a lot of other nomination and visa requirements as as anybody would for a 186 visa. And the interim measure that was put in place previously to enable individuals to apply for multiple short-term occupation visas has been been extended as well. So so the government has removed limits on the number of short-term visas that can be made whilst the individual's in Australia. So kind of to summarize, Lauren, the the new PR pathway is very similar to the pre-2018 requirements for those 186 visas, with the occupation list being removed and the reducing of the sponsorship employment period back to two years. As I said, the department's indicated that these changes will occur by the end of 2023, but we've not been given a commencement date yet. And, you know, the law and the policy have also not been released at this point in time. Thanks, Martin. So it seems that although we have a formal announcement and obviously there's clearly a lot of details that you've outlined for us, there's still a lot that we don't know. As usual, unfortunately, Lauren. Um, But as mentioned, we, we don't know exactly when any of this will kick in or the exact details other than what I've just outlined. Uh, and as we know, the, the devil is always in the detail, but it's a great step in the right direction. Um, not only will it increase the number of people eligible to apply for company-sponsored permanent residence, my view is that it will also see a reinvigoration of the TSS visa program with highly skilled individuals now wanting to make the move to Australia, safe in the knowledge that they can make their stay permanent. Because historically, these people may have chosen alternative countries to relocate to, and as a result, Australia could very well have missed out on those much-needed skills. 
So I guess on the back of that and leaning into the announcement and kind of the Australian public, do you feel like this announcement and this change to the pathway to permanent residency is going to be a welcome change, obviously for skilled migration, but for employers within Australia? All of the feedback that I've I've received from clients and, you know, through the industry uh, itself has been extremely positive. We'll know more when the legislation comes out, but every single thing that I've heard has been it's been very, very positively accepted by individuals who want to stay in Australia permanently, but more importantly by business, because it actually means that businesses can, you know, rely on people to come to Australia and have that long term vision. Uh, and they can be more strategic in their hiring rather than, you know, potentially hiring someone with, with only the ability for them to remain in Australia for, for four years and then have to find some alternate visa to remain or simply depart Australia. So it gives industry certainty of long term positions to be to be held in Australia. It's definitely an interesting context or contrast for us here in the US and and looking at skilled migration and the pathway to permanent residency to then see a country like Australia making such substantial changes to recruit top talent and provide that option. Having been someone who's worked both in the US immigration system and in the Australian immigration system, particularly that subclass 457, It's notoriously known as being a hard visa class and also a visa class that doesn't necessarily end anywhere. So I'm sure as this situation develops, more information, the program actually gets implemented. There'll be a lot more details coming forward, but also understanding, you know, is it really going to deliver on the promises that it seems to make? What's going to transpire here is that now a TSS visa will be a genuine pathway to permanent residence. And I think for a lot of individuals, as I say, who were were contemplating coming to Australia, who may have been somewhat scared off by the the limited, the the finite period which they could stay, it's going to open up a lot more doors. Uh, And I think as we want to not just invigorate the TSS visa program, but invigorate the population growth in Australia, I think it's a critical move and one that can't be underplayed. Well, Martin, thank you so much for joining us back on the Immigration Nerds podcast. You really were the perfect Australian nerd for this topic. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All I can say is thank you for your insights and obviously the vast details that you've provided today. No problem. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Lauren. And thank you to all you nerds out there listening. You can track everything going on at Ericsson Immigration Group on our website, eiglaw.com. And remember, if you believe immigration makes us all better, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe and share and meet us right back here for another new episode of Immigration Nerds.